Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the CX Cast, your source for all things experience. I am co host Angelina Jenis, joined by Adele Sage. Hey, Adele. Hello. Today, we have a recurring expert guest with us. It's Rick Parrish. He is a vice president, principal analyst here at Forrester. Rick, thank you for joining. Happy to recur. <laughs> and you are recurring with a purpose, and that's because you have a hot new report off the presses called Five Ways to Ensure Deep Collaboration Between Marketing and Customer Experience. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> well, it's certainly an important and necessary topic these days. It's a hot topic, let's be honest. Can you tell us a little bit about why, aside from it being a hot topic, it was so important to write about this now? Yeah, sure. So customers are getting more and more sensitive to the fact that companies are not often living up to the promises that they make. They promise a, a one experience and they deliver another. That means that marketing and CX are disjointed. And, and this is happening in an environment in which customer journeys are getting even more and more complicated. Of course, it used to be you get these classic ideas of customer journeys that move from the marketing where the promises are made, to sales, to the acquisition of the customer, and then post-sales kind of retention stuff where the promises is kept or not kept. But that's not the case anymore. Customer journeys don't work like that anymore. They're much more intertwined. And so all of the traditional phases of discovery and purchase and use and support and all that are all mixed up together. And so that means that the relationship between marketing and CX is all mixed up together too. And that's happening in this environment in which more and more empowered customers are more and more sensitive to whether or not companies are delivering on their promises. And so just at the same time that marketing and CX are working more and more closely together, the roles that they play in customer life cycles and customer journeys are, are falling apart more and more. And so that's why we really needed this now. So in your report, you have a whole set of recommendations for how marketing and customer experience can collaborate better per your amazing title here. Can you walk us through what those are and what advice you're giving to marketers and customer experience professionals about how to work well together? It boils down to five pieces of advice, and I've got details underneath these, of course. The first one is really about strategy. Companies have to make the decision to acquire only the customers that they can keep. That's a big shift. I'll leave it at that for the moment. Acquire only the customers you can keep. The second thing is you've got to renovate your organizational structure as relates to the relationship between marketing and CX. Third, you've got to create a single measurement program for the two functions. Fourth, You've got to build a single prioritization process for those two functions. So they're working together on figuring out what they're going to work on. And then fifth, once they figure out what to work on, they have to take an experience design approach to everything. And this can be a tricky one because oftentimes folks in marketing and CX use the word design to mean different things. I'm specifically referring to experience design here. And so these five pieces of advice, when all implemented, really start with a different strategy and go all the way through working together and measuring together differently so that marketing and CX are making the right promises, living up to those promises as customer journeys 
and the relationship of marketing and CX within them continue to become more and more deeply intertwined. That makes sense. Can we unpack each of these a bit more? Because I feel like <laughs> this is meaty, each of these, these five recommendations. Sure, sure. So why don't I start at the, at the beginning with acquiring only the customers you can keep? The trick here is that companies often demand that marketing bring in more and more customers, you know, growth, bring in more and more customers. And so marketing does that while oftentimes recognizing, sometimes not, but sometimes recognizing that many of these customers that they're bringing in are going to be virtually impossible to retain. And so setting up the company for retention failures there. But, you know, marketing is being tasked with bringing in more customers. That's what they're going to do. What's a classic example of that that we can all relate to? It's this growth imperative that, I'm not saying growth is a bad thing. I like growth. But this, this idea that the best growth strategy is a mass market strategy of constantly increasing the number of customers. And of course, a lot of companies focus on that because customer churn is so high. So they kind of say, oh, we got to bring in more. We got to bring in more because we're losing so many. Whereas if we all stop and remember what we've learned in any number of places, we all know that retaining customers is less expensive and more effective in driving revenue than gaining more customers. We all know that, right? But in action, companies forget it and they focus on bring in more customers, get more in here. And again, many of these folks aren't a good fit for the company to begin with. And so that makes retention very hard. That's the conundrum of marketing. And then on the other side, there's the conundrum of CX, where a lot of times CX folks, they're focused primarily on retention to the degree that they're focused on retention oftentimes even when it doesn't make business sense because some of these customers that are getting acquired are too troublesome, too expensive to retain. But if CX is getting tasked with retention, that's what they're going to focus on and actually end up with, in many cases, a, a negative ROI in the process. Right? And I'm not blaming marketers for this or CX folks for this. They're doing the job they've been tasked with doing. Bring in more customers, retain more customers. But in, in silos, I apologize. We've been talking for less than 10 minutes. I've already said the word silos, but there it is. So the whole idea here is when you refocus strategy on acquiring only the customers you can keep, then what happens is you focus on what we call devotees. This is um, TJ Kitt's you know, research, our colleague TJ Kitt. I think he's been on the podcast before to talk about his research on devotees, those customers who are the right fit for the company to begin with. They will be deeply loyal and passionate about the brand, so they're easier to acquire, and they're cheaper to serve and retain. Right? So focus on acquiring the customers you can keep. That's a key piece of strategy, and marketing and CX can work together to help convince their company to do that. And that's, that's a big first piece of the puzzle to improving the relationship between marketing and CX. To me, the classic example of this is the cable providers, right? Where you get the great intro deal for the first two years, and then you just switch to the competitor and get the great intro deal for the first two years. And you just kind of pop back and forth, always getting the good deal, which is terrible for both companies. Instead of retaining you at a price point that's reasonable in the long term, they just always 
losing money on acquiring the new customer. Yeah. Meal delivery companies have this problem too. Mm. You could spend the better part of a year getting free intro deals on those things, right? Then when you run out, you just have your spouse go through the list. So, you know. <laughs> it's those little AOL CDs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and of course, there's also the whole living up to the promise thing here where companies, they're trying to stand out from the crowd, especially faced not just with traditional competitors, but with disruptors from, from other industries and such. And so they make these increasingly dramatic, even outlandish claims about the awesomeness of the experience of the company. And they try to be all things to all people to try to bring everybody in. It's too expensive. It doesn't work. Unfortunately, even a lot of companies even lack the data to understand how ineffective it is. And that's the scariest thing of all, when they actually just have to assume it's working, but don't actually have the data to know that it's not. Again, that's why it's so important to acquire only the customers you can keep. And like I said, marketing and CX can help their companies come to this conclusion by combining the information about customers that they both have. Marketing has a treasure trove of data you know, from its campaigns and loyalty programs. CX teams have a ton of data from their side. You can put this together and identify the inner workings of your ideal customers, your potential devotees. Figure out what makes the brand such a good fit for them, what they really want from the brand, and focus there. That's where your big ROI is. Then, of course, they can help the company figure out a strategy for how they want to do that and such. That's a, a real big strategic shift that is super important. Now, some companies simply aren't ready to make that strategic shift. And if they're not, it's not like steps two through five are useless. Steps two through five here that I've, I've uncovered are still good ideas. It just would be an awfully nice thing for companies to set their marketing CX folks up for success with step one. You mentioned sharing data. I feel like that lends itself to the next one, which was renovating your organizational structure. Sounds like an undertaking, but worth it in the long run? Oh, totally, totally. And you know, when I say renovate your organizational structure, I don't mean the entire company has to have a completely new wiring diagram. Certainly not. And there is definitely no one universally perfect way to organize. <laughs> Wait, there's no silver bullet? <laughs> Shocking. Show me the org chart, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to provide some universal perfect option here. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually displaying it on screen right now, but oh. this is a podcast and nobody can hear uh. it. So too bad. <laughs> yeah. The problem here is that a lot of times execs want to emulate the structure of some brand that's hot right now, or they get sidetracked into all these arguments about who owns which channel or everyone's favorite argument, who owns CX, all this kind of stuff. It comes down to principles. First of all, the organization has to become customer journey centric. And this doesn't mean you have to restructure formally around customer journeys. Some companies do. Companies like WestJet have done some of that. Other companies uh, like say Aetna, for instance, don't restructure around journeys. They just use journeys as kind of the centerpiece of their strategy and the way they manage experiences. When you become customer journey centric, then right away you're, you're putting marketing and CX next to each other conceptually because you're seeing how the customer journeys go back and forth between stuff that's usually the purview of marketing and stuff that's usually the responsibility of CX and back and forth and back and forth. But even more important than this is 
making sure that marketing and CX report to the same executive. Now, it doesn't matter who that executive is. We've looked into this from plenty of different angles. Doesn't matter. Call it a, a chief marketing officer. Call it a, a chief customer officer. You can get cute like some companies do, you know, with their chief customer happiness officer and vice president of delight and all that stuff. I don't care what they're called. All I care is that they are a direct report to the CEO and that they take marketing and CX work equally seriously. That's what matters. The other thing you've got to do here is you've got to require both teams to be involved in every single project. Now, it's not, it, that doesn't mean that every single person on every single team has to be involved. That, that's impossible. Think about it in terms of a racy matrix. The marketing function and the CX function have to figure out who on which team is going to be responsible right, for different projects and figure out the racy matrix and make sure that somebody from both teams is involved at some level on everything as appropriate. This way, they're not working in silos anymore. Right? I could go on here offering additional pieces of advice for this, but it's all practical stuff like this to get the teams working together in a very practical, productive way. That's what we're talking about with structure here. Makes sense. So then to Angelina's point about the data, that's also a very logical flow then into the measurement, because I assume that that data is ultimately what gets incorporated into a shared measurement framework. Yes, yes. If marketing and CX are going to work together, they've got to measure together, right? This is going to give them a common, holistic picture of the customer throughout the life cycle. And it's going to help them connect outcomes that are essential to the health of the whole business. They're going to see how everything that happens throughout all the customer journeys connects to business performance. And one of the key things to do here is use a journey measurement framework. Journey measurement framework is so important because, again, remember how at the beginning we started by talking about how customer journeys are these complex intertwined things. Now, they're not linear and they move very rapidly back and forth between things that are tr the traditional purview of marketing, the traditional purview of CX. And when you use a journey measurement framework, you look at understanding how the customer interaction, whether you might call it more of a marketing thing or a more CX thing or whatever, everything that happens in the customer journeys, you can see how it affects the outcomes of the journeys, the business results, which is what really matters. And a lot of different ways to do that, but using a journey measurement framework gets marketing and CX on the same page about that. Another key thing here is to create some shared KPIs for marketing and CX. In my research, I found that companies that do this well say that lead quality is the best shared KPI. So I would encourage folks to focus in on this one. But other companies have also added other shared KPIs that might be particularly interesting for the business. For instance, I spoke to someone at T. Rowe Price who said that because they had a key company goal of increasing digital sales, that they made that a shared KPI for, you know, for the two teams. So lead quality and perhaps some other things, shared KPIs. And then I guess I'll mention one other third thing. This is just for the CX folks. Give CX teams goals for customer retention and enrichment, specific quantitative goals, especially because most CX teams don't actually measure this in any rigorous way. And giving them goals for retention and enrichment will force them to measure this in a rigorous way, which they should have been doing all along. 
so that they can connect the quality of their work to business outcomes, which is good for them because our data still shows that something like half of CX teams can actually prove the business results of their work. Give them retention and enrichment goals that's going to force them to do what they should be doing anyway. Again, I could go on. These are some key pieces here. We've talked about structure and we've talked about measurement. Actually getting everyone on the same page sounds Mm -hmm. like it's the next one on the list, prioritization. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. It's almost as though I I organize these in some sort of logical flow. (laughs) Right. You know, when the teams are the teams are working together, they're measuring together so they have that one understanding of the way things are going and the effect things are having. Now they've got to figure out what they should focus their efforts on to improve all that stuff. And that means a single prioritization process because they've got to focus on the work that provides the best return on investment for the whole company, not just for a particular team or particular function. And so what we recommend is establishing a formal prioritization framework, similar to the one that we've been advising CX teams on for a few years now. Basic prioritization framework in which you can actually rank quantitatively the effect that different projects may have on customers, on business, add factors in terms of feasibility, in terms of risk. And so you can actually rank all the possible things you could be working on together. And remember, the CX and marketing teams are working on everything together at this point, the racy matrix idea. And then you've got to create a cross-functional group, marketing and CX, yes, but other key senior stakeholders to actually populate that framework and figure out what the top priority projects are, the ones with the biggest impact on the customer and the business and the greatest feasibility and the lowest risk. And then you've got to require everybody to justify their CX and marketing ideas in terms of this framework. Nobody gets to just parachute in some vanity project anymore. Nobody gets to come up with some great idea that they heard on a podcast and kick in the door and demand that the company do it. Except what they hear on this episode of this podcast. They got to break down some doors to get this to happen. Obviously. That, that one's okay. Exactly. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> That one's, yeah. In fact, I demand that. Everybody has to put their idea in front of this cross-functional group and have that cross-functional group rank it with the other stuff. Nobody gets to circumvent the process. That way, marketing and CX are certain and everybody's certain that marketing and CX are focusing their common efforts on the stuff that's most important to the business at large. So are there companies that are actually doing that kind of prioritization? There are more and more CX teams that are doing this. Barclay Card is one that's been doing this for a few years. For instance, they use a prioritization framework at the customer journey level, which of course, as we've just been talking about, often spans marketing and CX kind of stuff. The idea here is so that they have you know, owners for different cross-functional journeys uh, at Barclay Card. And this is going to allow those journey owners to prioritize improvements that have the biggest impact on the outcome of the journey, rather than getting mired in some sort of infighting for resources between marketing and CX and other functions like that. So you know, that's one place where this has worked really well at that kind of cross-functional level. Yeah, it probably shows my, my limited understanding of marketing as a CX person. But, you know, I'm picturing like campaigns and then CX projects, like all in one prioritization list. And that's not that intuitive to me. So I can, I can understand why this isn't something that's 
happening universally in the companies because yeah. it feels sort of like it feels like a funny mix of things to prioritize together yeah, yeah. but based on what you're saying i understand how important it is so i can i can see that this would be a difficult thing for marketers and cx folks to to work together on initially but then it would make a ton of sense exactly it would it would make a ton of sense especially when they take that journey centric approach because they can start to see how what they might have assumed was a traditional linear journey really isn't and how they're stepping on each other's mm -hmm. feet all over the place. You can really start to see how, say, what you might have conceived of as a traditional marketing campaign is actually deeply intertwined with the uh, digital experience of a, of a mortgage application, which is usually something that, say, a, a CX team would be working on or something like that. This is another one of those places where a lot of times companies lack the information, quantitative and qualitative, to realize how intertwined that sort of stuff is. We've all seen this before, even with simple journey mapping activities, where a lot of times a company's first pass at one of those looks very traditional. But then you, you push them and they start realizing, oh, this is actually... This actually doesn't look like this at all. This is, you know, this is the way we assumed it looked, but it, it's actually a lot more, a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. So from prioritization, it's pretty logical to then get into actually executing on these projects. And it sounds as though your number five is all about experience mm -hmm. design. So tell us more about how that fits in at this stage. Yeah, the idea is that once the marketing and CX functions figure out what they should be working on, then they have to work on it in the right way. And that means using a human-centric experience design approach. Earlier, when we started talking, I mentioned that marketing and CX teams tend to use the term design in, in different ways. In marketing, not, not always, but it's common in marketing for folks to think of design primarily as a visual design, graphic design. And sure, but... Uh, design is about a lot more than that. Experience design is about how things work, not just about how they how they look. And so an outside-in design approach is essential to use for, for any project. In fact, even going beyond CX and marketing, design can and should be a business discipline. But staying focused here, here now on marketing CX, all the projects they work that they work on need to use an experience design approach. And this is a proven approach that actually the CX team can probably, at least at the beginning here, take the lead on more often than not, because CX teams usually have, and should have, uh, professional designers, experienced designers who know how to make this happen. And you can certainly, can and should be training up some folks on the marketing team with the same set of skills. But this is a place where usually where we see that the CX team, at least as they say initially in this process, tends to have the, the skill set necessary to make this a success. So focus on how things work, not just how they look. The next key thing here for taking this experience design approach to everything is emphasizing evidence over instinct. A lot of times people get this idea that a good design process involves people in turtlenecks going into dark rooms and magically intuiting some amazing new process flow or product or experience design, digital design, something. And that's not it at all. It takes a lot of quantitative and qualitative data. And of course, marketing usually has a lot of data that can and should be leveraged 
for this sort of thing. So your design press has to be based on evidence, not instinct. And then the last thing here is the CX and marketing teams, when they're using a design process, they should actually standardize around a single design system. Uh, Design systems have changed a lot in the last few years. Some people still think of design systems as maybe just guidance on font size and the colors on your website. That's graphic design. It's a yes and, yes and a big and. Uh, Design systems have really evolved into um, sets of rules, best practices, templates, digital components, pieces of code, even policies that guide a company's design efforts to keep them unified. And it gives CX folks, marketers, a common set of structures and resources to build with so that they're not constantly reinventing the wheel. It also frees the professional designers who are working in the marketing and CX world from a lot of basic work that can instead be shunted off into a design system that anybody can just sort of grab. So a design system sets up a really good common framework into which marketing and CX can put their design efforts so they don't have to reinvent the wheel at the beginning of every new project. Of course, that's going to help things go a lot faster. You covered a lot of ground in this. So this is drawing from not just your own research, but a lot of Forrester research that's been going on for years, it sounds like. Yeah, I was really happy to be able to do, of course, a ton of uh, my own interviews with companies that do this stuff really well and then put that research on top of work that's been done by folks in um, our CX research team, our CMO research team, and our B2C and B2B marketing teams. Yeah. Oh, customer insights team too. Yeah, like the design system stuff, I believe Gina's talked about on the podcast before as part of her design research. Yeah. So hopefully people are familiar with that concept. Oh, great. I'm glad. Yeah these are pretty linear, right? This isn't, unlike customer journeys, this is pretty linear in that you can do two through five, but you're going to have limited success until you do number one. Is that fair? I wouldn't go so far as to say limited success. I would say in an ideal world, you start with number one. But even if number one seems too big a change in your for your company right now, by all means, jump in at number two. But then, yeah, they, they build from there. Right, because prioritization requires measurement and structure, and then you can't really design the right experiences if you're not measuring and prioritizing the right things. Exactly. Yep. This is a ton of great food for thought for our listeners. And this sounds like it's something that's really difficult to do, but absolutely worth all of this effort. So hopefully this is an episode that our CX listeners will share with their marketing colleagues and really kick this off as a, an initiative to, to bring these teams together to make this happen. Yeah, it is a lot. There's a lot there. But as with most things that are a lot, they're made up of little pieces. And any company can start putting together these building blocks. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Do what you can, prove that it works, build out from there. Perfect. It's exactly what our listeners need to hear. So thank you, Rick. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. This is Rick Parrish, VP and Principal Analyst here at Forrester. And uh, you can see him at our upcoming CX North America Forum on June 7th, 8th, and 9th. So check that out. Rick, thanks for joining us. I look forward to recurring again.
<laughs> and Angelina, always a pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, this is the CX Cast. Thank you.